All right, today we'll be in 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to teach through the book of 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. They will be separate classes, individual classes, but we're going to do them back to back. I think that's a good way to do it. Today, in class number one, we're just going to go through an outline of the chapters. There are five chapters in the book. The book was written in A.D. 54, and if you... We'll go back to Romans and some of the other books. For Just for example, right there on the other page, the book of Colossians, you'll see A.D. 64. And then after Colossians comes first Thessalonians and A.D. 54, you can tell that it was they're not exactly in order. The book of Romans written after first Thessalonians. Probably first Thessalonians, one of the first books, one of the first epistles written by the Apostle Paul. And as I say, we're going to go through today and we're going to split up the chapters and give an overview of each chapter. And so let's get into that right away. Of course, uh, have a notebook, a separate notebook for this class and have a Bible when you're listening to the class and follow along as closely as you can. Take notes and be prayed up. Always pray before you enter into these classes. Alright, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. I outlined this book this way. Again, as I say in the other books, there are other ways that these things can be outlined. There's other uh, Bible teachers in the past who have put their own uh, subheadings to these chapters. For example, uh, C.I. Schofield calls chapter 1 the model church and the three tenses of the Christian life. It's a little bit involved, I think, and you can take it or leave it if you like Schofield notes, then you're certainly welcome to look at them. It's a free country. I'm not telling you that anybody's Bible outline is any better than anybody else's. I just want you to understand that this is the way that I read it. This is the way that I see it. This is the, these are the lessons that uh, that the Lord speaks to me about when I read this book and certainly there's many other things there's many other directions the the word of God is a, is a bottomless well I, I would not say bottomless pit because that has very bad connotation but the the word of God is a bottomless well from which you can draw uh, unlimited amounts of water I can give you this outline and you can read through the book a couple of times, three or four times, and and come up with your own uh, outlines. You could see a completely different topic that these uh, little outlines that I'm giving you don't even touch and don't even deal with. The the Word of God is is just that rich, and certainly other men are justified in using what other outlines that they want to. But for the sake of this class. We're going to use the outline that follows in this class today. Chapter number one, I call the perfection of the plan. Now, when I'm talking about the plan, I'm talking about God's plan to propagate the gospel. Look with me really quick in 1 Corinthians chapter number one. 1 Corinthians chapter number one. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse uh, number 18, very popular portion of the scripture. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? 
Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God. Well, if God's pleased, I think you and I ought to be pleased. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block unto the Greeks foolishness but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men so when I say the perfection of the plan I'm talking about God's plan to propagate the gospel the Foolishness of preaching, and just for the sake of brevity, we'll use the word preaching. The perfection of the plan deals with preaching. The preaching of the word of God, the the carrying of the message that Jesus died for your sins, was buried and rose again the third day, is the preaching of the gospel. And it is a perfect plan. A movie cannot add to it a play in a church cannot add to it a concert cannot add to it a song cannot add to it the perfect means of ministering the gospel of jesus christ is the preaching of the word and to say in your own mind that people will not listen to preaching therefore we must find a more dynamic way to get out the gospel is to agree with 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that preaching is viewed as foolishness. But the, the, the last portion of that passage that we read was that the weakness of God is stronger than men. What, they, what many people in the world will count as foolishness, what many professing Christians will think of as foolishness to sit in a congregation and listen to an hour-long sermon or an hour-and-a-half-long sermon and consider that to be utter foolishness is proof that God is not trying to capture the minds of unbelievers with the preaching. He is trying to preach the gospel. He is trying to have the gospel preached to those who will believe. If there's any question, I am certainly not a Calvinist, but if there's any question that God does uh, not know or does know who will believe and who will not he certainly does and it just so happens that he set up the gospel in order to speak to those who he knows will believe and in the preaching of the gospel those who will believe believe and those who will not believe will not believe and God will judge the world and be justified in judging the world through that very process. So God's chosen means and method is a perfect means and method and it is the preaching of the gospel. Now we can spend a lot more time on that subject in a different class, especially Romans 8 and Colossians chapter 2. We'll spend a lot of time on those kind of ideas. But here today we're just trying to get through an outline of 1 Thessalonians and that is the summary of the first chapter, the perfection of the plan. Then chapter 2 is the instruction for implementing the plan and that's best uh, the best example you can get uh, from that 
with the amount of time that we have is down in verse 12 that you walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory that's a that's a good example also verse number one look what he says in verse number one he says for yourselves brethren know our entrance unto in unto you that it was not in vain so he's talking about uh, the ministry to the brethren it's not a vain ministry. Uh, when he says our entrance in unto you, what he's talking about, the, his entrance, he's talking about the manner of ministry, the, the way he approached them. He didn't come in with, with uh, great swelling words. He didn't approach them from a standpoint of great wisdom or great intellect. His entrance into them was a, after a specific manner. So from verse 1, you get the you get the idea that the ministry was implemented in a certain way, and then as you read through the chapter, especially uh, typified by verse number twelve, when he says that ye should walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto His kingdom and glory, uh, then you also get the idea that there is a there is a conversation there's a manner of living that goes along with your ministry your profession and of course the lord has a lot to say about that to the world in general in romans chapter 2 to men in general in romans chapter 2 but here in first uh, thessalonians chapter number two uh, as an overview of the chapter it's an instruction for the implementation of god's plan god's plan is to propagate the gospel to have the word of God spread throughout all the world chapter number one is the perfection of the plan chapter number two is the instruction for implementing the plan and then chapter number three is uh, summarized like this the plan of God is not impersonal but it's a matter of great concern now if you uh, one of those folks that uh, say what will be will be chapter number three is going to dispel that for you uh, what will be will not be unless there's an application unless there's concern you can't just go through the motions when it comes to running a church when it comes to the ministry of a church when it comes to preaching when it comes to teaching a sunday school lesson it's not something you can just rattle off because you've studied it and you've you've preached that message 50 times before or you've uh, went through that monologue uh, 17 18 19 20 times on the street now you can get up and just preach to a congregation or preach to a group of people on the street because you've said it once, you'll be able to say it again with power. No, it's, it, it, it cannot be impersonal. It has to be a matter of great concern. The plan of God is not impersonal. It's a matter of great concern. Now, as you read through uh, chapter number 3, you see verses. Uh, we'll read a few verses. Verse 1, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be... Uh, left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed therein too. And then he goes down, verse number 9, uh, For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day praying exceeding, exceedingly that we might see your face and might 
perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men even as we do toward you to the end he may establish uh, excuse me establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before our God so just a few examples of that care for one another care for the ministry care for what's going on not just in your circle but in circles that are far reaching the plan of God is not impersonal it's very personal very important what you do it's very important how you act it's very important how you react to situations it's very important how you pray it's very important that you pray but it's very important how you pray all these things are important and these things are touched on here in chapter number three now chapter number four well let's summarize again chapter number one the perfection of the plan chapter number two instructions for implementing the plan chapter number three the plan of god is not impersonal but a matter of great concern Chapter number four, God's plan requires constant concern, refinement, and that refinement will be culminated in the return of Christ. So verse number four, uh, of course, when this thing was written, it was not chapters and verses, but they're all, con- they're all connected in some way. So verse number one in chapter four, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. So what the lessons you've learned, learn about it some more. The discipline that you've received, refine that, work on that. Whatever you've received, whatever you've, uh, whatever grace you've received, whatever lessons you've learned about walking with God and pleasing God abound in that more and more get better at it grow in it grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord jesus christ so this is this is the uh, the uh, overview of chapter number four god's plan requires constant concern and constant refinement that is culminated at the return of Christ. So our job is never done as Christians. We may die. We may be buried. We may be raptured. But whatever the case, our uh, Christian life, our Christian growth, our Christian concern should grow and grow and should abound and abound until the Lord's return. And so that is the overview of chapter number four. And then chapter number five. Again, let me go through each and every chapter a perfection uh, chapter one the perfection of the plan chapter two instruction for implementing the plan chapter three the plan of god is not impersonal but is a matter of great concern chapter number four god's plan requires constant concern and refinement that culminates in the return of christ and chapter number five is final exhortations there is some continuity from chapter number four but there's uh, chapter five breaks up as most of the epistles do sometimes like the book of romans the last two chapters breaks up into a multitude of final exhortations and the uh, 
fifth chapter of First Thessalonians does the same thing. It starts off, and uh, well, I should say that chapter four ends in a description of the return of the Lord. Chapter five says, "But of the times and seasons, brethren, the times and seasons of what? Well, the return of the Lord, as He was speaking of in chapter four. You have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night." Verse 5, ye are all children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So he goes along those lines there. And as he gets toward the end of the chapter, very popular portion of scripture. uh, Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. So you can see these are various um, exhortations, final exhortations from the chapter and of course then at a later date Paul writes the second epistle uh, probably in the same year and perhaps even very close to the same time makes no difference second Thessalonians stands alone and of course picks up on some different issues than the first book of Thessalonians does and so as we finish first Thessalonians we'll move into that second Thessalonians but as I say that will be a separate class that'll be an individual class and we'll do a breakdown of that book when we get to it all right God bless you thank you for joining us for the class today and we'll see you next time as we get into first Thessalonians chapter number one